0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. You know, every day
1: presents new opportunities. Whenever we get up in the morning, we have new opportunities to look out into the world that we're a part of, and we can see that we have many things that we have at our disposal. We have many things that we can do that we can participate in, our God has created a world that we can certainly make use of. We have many natural resources that we can take advantage of, and we can build homes, we can build televisions, we can build computers, we can use resources for energy, we can grow food, we can manufacture clothing. There are many things in the world that we can take advantage of, and because of this, We're able to build lives for ourselves, and every day seems to have new opportunities, or in some cases, we might see a reduction of opportunities just because of circumstances in life. But in the midst of this, there is a lot of opportunity. There are many things that our God has provided for us that we can take advantage of in order to reduce the amount of pain and suffering that we would experience otherwise. For example, when winter comes, we might get cold. And to prepare for that, we can produce clothing. We can acquire resources to produce energy and heat in order to warm ourselves up. During the wintertime, it can be difficult to grow food. And so we do that during other times of the year. These are opportunities to improve our quality of life overall. And because of that, many people's lives are focused on finding ways of improving the quality of life. And one of the motivations behind that is to reduce the amount of potential suffering that we might experience. But unfortunately, people experience failure in the projects that they engage in. Sometimes they experience theft from other people. And this theft may come in the form of a direct theft in the sense that somebody just simply takes it from you. Or it may come in the form of fraud or deception. There are many opportunities to be taken advantage of in this world. And because of that, and because of the failures that sometimes we experience, there are many opportunities for suffering, in addition to the many opportunities that we can experience pleasure and happiness and joy in the world that we are a part of. But sometimes people can be overwhelmed by the sufferings that they experience in life, And that might be because they experience more sufferings than they experience successes or experience blessings in their life, however they might measure that. Sometimes people can be overcome by these things. And when this happens, then sometimes they will seek some advice or they may seek some counsel of some kind in order to cope with or in order to find a way to resolve the concerns that they have with regards to the sufferings that they are experiencing, And one of the ways that people seek resolution, or they seek some form of comfort concerning this, is to try to find some explanation as to why things are taking place. Why do we experience suffering in our lives? Why do we experience suffering in the world? And maybe we don't experience a whole lot of suffering, but other people do, and we may want to have an explanation as to why they are experiencing suffering when we are not. There are many things that may motivate a person to ask this question, and I think it's a very important question. Now, I certainly am not going to be able to give you a complete explanation for all the sufferings that everyone experiences in their life experience. There's no way that I can possibly do that. I'm not going to even try to do that, and I don't think that it's appropriate to approach the subject in that way, to suggest that we might be able to find an explanation for every potential suffering that somebody is experiencing. I know many people attempt to do this in order to rationalize or in order to justify the sufferings that are being experienced, and I simply don't want to take that approach when considering this subject. But from a pastoral point of view, it's not uncommon for people to contact me and ask me for some help, for some guidance, for some insight, for some discernment of some kind to give an explanation As to why they are experiencing suffering, why they are experiencing failure. This is a very popular question and I understand that a lot of people ask the question and many people present themselves as being wise and knowledgeable people who will be able to tell you exactly why you are experiencing sufferings and I simply don't share that opinion. I don't think that we are here for that purpose. I don't think that it's appropriate for us to try to find an explanation for everything, but there is a lot of money available in it. You can charge people to tell them things like, well, now you need to understand that it's probably because of the sin in your life, and God is punishing you in some way because of that. And so make sure you get all of the sin out of your life, and when you do, then all these things will be corrected. This is just one example. There are, of course, many others. And so there are a lot of people who are available for that purpose. And if you would like to go and listen to them, then by all means, go ahead and do that. But when you are finished with that, then you can consider this from a different point of view, and that is to consider not why are bad things happening to you or why are bad things happening to other people, but instead you need to consider a bigger picture. I believe that if we consider a bigger picture, if we consider why God has created this world to begin with then I think we can obtain a better understanding concerning the subject. And with that, I do believe that we can find it acceptable. We can find it to be okay if we do not know, if we do not have complete discernment concerning all the sufferings of life, that we can still continue to live trusting and relying on our God, even in the midst of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And I personally think that that is more important Than trying to find an explanation for everything. Consider, for example, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, between verses 16 and 18. People normally reference verse 18, but if I begin in verse 16, this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, here's a wonderful opportunity for people to feel really depressed, and that is that if I tell them to give thanks for everything because this is God's will for you, well, that might sound good if things are going well for you. If things are going well and you're experiencing a lot of success and whatever you're trying to accomplish in life, you're not experiencing a lot of sufferings, then certainly it might be very easy for you to give thanks and to stand up proudly and say, this is God's will for me. His will for me is to be happy in this life that I'm experiencing, to have success. That's his will for me. He certainly is not his will for you, I suppose. But in my case, it's his will for me. And I have every reason to give thanks. And sometimes people will look at this and say, now, just remember to give thanks, that this is an encouragement to give thanks for what God has done for you. But what about those circumstances when you're not experiencing success? What happens when things are not going very well for you? How are you going to give thanks in those circumstances? Well, I personally do not believe that you have to be thankful for suffering. I don't think that you need to do that. I don't think that that's what he's talking about at all. I don't think that it's his will for you to experience great pain and suffering in your life. So that's what he wants for you. And aren't you thankful Especially when you consider all of those other people who you know, who totally reject the possibility that there is a God at all, and they don't experience any sufferings. But you, you do. God wants this for you. He doesn't want that for them, those who totally reject him, but he wants it for you, and you should be thankful. This is what people end up with in many cases. This turns out to be the conclusion for many people's lives. And because of this, people start having a little bit of an attitude towards the Lord. And I can understand why. Why is it that he wants to bless all these wicked, evil people, but for someone like myself who wants to be holy and righteous, well, he's not going to do that. He's going to cause me more sufferings. doesn't make any sense at that point. And many people abandon the faith as a result, because sometimes this is what people believe. This is what people teach in some cases. And the result of it makes perfect sense, it really does, for people to just reject the whole thing, reject the Lord, reject the scriptures entirely. Because who wants a God who just wants to provide you with suffering in your life? I mean, who wants a God like that? Doesn't that make sense? No, I personally believe that this verse refers to something else. But it can be very difficult to see because of the way that people read this verse. Again, in verse 18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What happens is is that people focus on everything. They focus on the things that are happening. They focus on the things that are taking place in their lives. Or they focus on the things that they may acquire or the things that they may not acquire. And we're supposed to give thanks for all the circumstances that we experience in life, because it is the circumstances that are his will for us. And I don't think that's really what he was intending to say. I, I really don't. I personally think that the emphasis is not on everything, but it is on giving thanks, that it is his will, it is his desire for you to give thanks regardless of the circumstances. Now, some of these circumstances may be difficult to give thanks for. I can appreciate that. However, in the midst of these circumstances, there are other things that we can certainly give thanks for. And I believe that that is the emphasis. It is not to say be thankful for everything that happens. No, instead, be thankful regardless of what happens, that even though something happens or something takes place, you can still give thanks to the Lord For other things, if not those things, especially when it comes to issues of suffering, because it normally takes some time before the Lord can find a way to effectively utilize the sufferings that we experience in our lives for our benefit. It can be very difficult for him to do that right away. And there are many reasons why it is difficult for this to happen right away. There are many reasons for that. And over time, I have grown to be more thankful for the delays that take place. And this is something that is very difficult to understand without maturity in Christ Jesus that is measured over a period of time and over a period of discernment. Because until you experience what I'm talking about, it can be very difficult to understand what I'm saying. It can be very easy to just simply say, well, I have no idea what you're talking about, and so I'm just going to completely forget it. But I want to encourage you with something, and that is that the Lord is participating in our lives. I really believe that, that he is a participant. And as a participant, there often is a period of time that takes place for him to do certain things. For example, the scriptures say that he prepares the works for us to walk in. That describes a period of time of preparation. That describes a period of time. And so when I personally experience sufferings now, when I experience sufferings, it's easy for me now, or it's easier, let me say it that way, it's easier for me to give thanks to the Lord for the life that I have, for who he is, even in the midst of the failures, even in the midst of the sufferings, I can be more thankful and it's easier for me to do so, knowing that the Lord can make use of these things for a greater purpose, Now, if he does not make use of these things for a greater purpose, I am personally going to be okay with that. I am going to be okay with that, and I am not going to pass judgment against God and say, now, you know what, Lord? You did not use these sufferings in a way that I feel is appropriate. I think you should have done something more with those things. I'm not going to do that, because I understand that he is God, and I am not. And I will be thankful regardless. And so I believe that this verse is not something that we should use to abuse somebody with, as others do. Others use this to abuse people and say, yes, this terrible, horrible thing has happened to you, but you should be thankful because this is what God wants for you. I don't think that's what he's saying. I really don't. I think that he's saying that we should give thanks and that it is his will for us to give thanks It is not necessarily his will or his desire that we experience sufferings or even successes necessarily. I believe that it is his desire that we give thanks to him regardless or in the midst of, regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. That's what I believe this verse is referring to. Now, as an active participant, that means that our God can intervene. There are times when he can intervene in our lives, and prevent terrible things from happening to us. There are many examples in history, in times past, and in times present, where we can look at circumstances and we can see that there is clear evidence that the Lord has intervened in people's lives. But when we see these situations, when we see these circumstances, sometimes it can be a little troubling for us personally, because he may not have intervened in our circumstances. He may not have done great things for us. He may not have stopped someone from violating us. He may not have intervened. And yet he intervened in other people's lives. And so what is that about? What is that about? How are we going to be able to trust a God who doesn't seem to intervene whenever we want him to intervene, whenever we think, That it's appropriate. How can we trust a God like that? Well, I want you to consider a couple of things. The first thing is, is that by suggesting something like that, we are the ones who are passing judgment on God. We are the ones in that context. We are the ones to tell Him that He's supposed to intervene in some situations and that He is not necessarily going to have to intervene in other situations. And that He requires our approval. If we are going to see him as our God, and if he doesn't operate, if he doesn't function in the way that we want him to, then we may just decide to get another God or forget him entirely. Then this is the attitude that some people tend to have, and it may not be pronounced enough to see it on the surface, but under the skin, deep down inside of individuals. This is often something that people do struggle with, and it needs to be acknowledged, and I'm not saying that you have to ask for forgiveness for that, I'm just saying that you need to be aware that people pass judgment all the time against God because they believe that He should intervene in a certain way and yet He doesn't. Now, the Lord certainly has the ability to intervene. I personally believe that when He created this world, if He wanted to, He could have structured things in such a way That if anyone was about to do something that was evil, then he could stop it. I really believe that. I really believe that he could have structured things in a way that there would never be any sin in this world that he made at all. He could intervene directly through the power of his spirit, or he could use a number of angels who could be there on standby, who will either strike people dead or physically restrain them in some way. I believe he could have done that. I really do. I believe that he could have structured things in such a way that there would be no way that anyone would ever sin. But that's not the way things are. I think it's fairly obvious. I think if you look around you, you can see that that is not the way things are. Now, I personally believe that this is okay. I have to believe that because if this is how things are then in many ways I have to suggest that this is the way that he wanted things to be. But that is not to say that he wants people to suffer. I don't think that that was his direct intent. I do believe that he structured things in such a way that people could suffer or they could not suffer. And sometimes we're so preoccupied with whether or not we are suffering or we are not suffering, sometimes we're so preoccupied with the question of is he going to intervene or is he not going to intervene that we forget that there might be a bigger issue. There might be something greater than that. And that's what I was hinting at when I said he could have structured things in such a way so that no one would ever sin. But he structured things in such a way that people could sin if they wanted to. And if he did, then there must be a reason why he did that. There must be an advantage to that, There must be a purpose, and I do believe there is. I believe that there is a greater issue at hand and that we need to concede that if he intervenes, he does so for the right reasons in the appropriate context. And if he does not intervene, he will do so for the right reasons and in the right context. And that we need to trust him concerning this. I really do believe that we need to trust him. Sometimes we can become so preoccupied with our own personal sufferings and be consumed with the question of, is he going to intervene or is he not, that we can forget the bigger picture, that there is something bigger that we need to be aware of, that it's not just about us. It's about everyone. It's about him. It's about the entire world, that there is something greater that is beyond our own Personal experiences. That is something that we need to be aware of because, unfortunately, what people do is they say that because he could intervene and he does not, then he is the one who is responsible for the sufferings that we experience. When we lose sight of the bigger picture, this is what we usually do. We usually end up with a conclusion like it's God's fault that this happened to me, because he could have done something about it, and he didn't. So it's his fault, and I'm going to blame him, and he had better fix this. He had better do something. If he doesn't do it now, I'll wait for him to fix it in heaven. I'll wait for him to give me some compensation of some kind for all the loss that I have experienced, this is the kind of attitude that people have, and I personally think that this kind of attitude is evil. I think that this describes a person who is consumed by their own pride, and they have no concern for who their God is and what he's doing. Yes, it is true that he can intervene in every case where there may be suffering in a person's life. That's true, but the fact that he doesn't tells me that it doesn't mean that he's responsible it tells me that there is a bigger issue, that there's a bigger concern. And while I may be consumed with my own problems and with my own sufferings and with my own failures, it's easy for me to forget that there would be a reason. Now, this is what I believe the reason is, and that is that the Lord is trying to accomplish a greater work, and this work requires an opportunity for people to both commit sin against other people and provide an opportunity for others to be the victim of the sins that are committed against them, that there is something greater. But in order for this greater thing to be accomplished, it would be necessary to give people the option to give them the opportunity to choose to do that which is good or to choose to do that which is evil. Now, I understand that suffering is not enjoyable. I understand that. I understand that suffering can be a terrible thing. And I understand that there are some things that people suffer that are worse than other things that people suffer. That there is a spectrum of magnitude, of evil that takes place within the world. I understand that. But regardless of all the suffering that we experience, there is something else that our God is doing. And I personally believe that while we may experience great pain and suffering in our life. And the cost that we may experience in our lives may be extremely high. I also believe that there is a benefit that we can experience in the midst of that cost. And the question that needs to be asked is, is the cost worth the benefit? In other words, yes, The Lord has structured the world in such a way that there will be suffering. But is it going to be worth it? Is there something else that he can gain or that we can gain in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the failure, in the midst of the pain? Is there something that is greater than that that makes it worth it? That's the question that I think we should address. But this is a very difficult question to address. And the reason why is because... We don't want to experience any suffering, and that's perfectly natural, it's perfectly normal, and we don't know the greater issues, especially when we're young, either in the faith or in the world, we're totally inexperienced, or even when we're old, and yet we didn't spend our years wisely. In the midst of those situations, it can be very difficult for people to understand the value of what our God is accomplishing. Now, I'm just about out of time for this program, and so I'm going to have to continue with this subject in the next program, but let me summarize just briefly to tell you what I'm going to tell you, what I'm going to talk about in the next program, and that is that as I have grown to know my God, I have come to know many things about him. I have grown to know my God in a way that I did not know him before. I have grown to understand what he is doing in ways that I never imagined before, And looking at my situation right now, I will say with great conviction that there is no suffering that I could possibly experience in this world that would be so bad that I personally would rather not have been born at all. In other words, what I have gained, who I know is so valuable to me, he is so valuable to me that there is nothing in this world that would compare with my God. And so regardless of the suffering, whatever kind of suffering I may experience, I personally am thankful to be here at all. I personally would rather experience all the sufferings that this world has to offer if it means that I would be able to know my God for who He is as I know Him today. That to me, the cost is worth the benefit. So that's the overall point of view and why I would be willing to accept whatever sufferings this world has to offer, because I can be thankful for him, for who he is, because he has provided an opportunity for me to know him. Now, in addition to that, I would not know him in the way that I do without the sufferings that I have experienced. I personally would rather not experience any sufferings at all and still know him as I do. But the reality is, the fact of the matter is, is that I would not know him in the way that I do now if I had not experienced the sufferings that I have experienced in life. I don't say this to justify the sufferings, to say that they are okay, or to encourage you to go and find some more suffering in your life. I'm not saying it for that reason. I think we can make use of what we have, and I don't think that the Lord needs to intervene in a divine way to provide us with more. I don't believe that. However, when I consider the bigger picture of what I have gained compared to what I have lost, I am very thankful to be a part of what God is doing. And I will continue with this in the next program.